I'm going to wait for that truck to come out. Just a little bit of road noise. I'm waiting for the truck. Okay. I'm waiting for the truck. Okay. The truck's gone. Welcome, everybody. Good evening. It's an evening to us. Might not be evening to you. Might be morning where you're listening at. Welcome to Leaky Waiters. Not Waters. Waiters. Episode, I think we're on five or six. I, I don't know. We're on episode something, teen. Six. I just so got confirmation. Mosquito edition. Mosquito edition. Uh, they're not bugging me. They're not bugging me. I'm sorry they're bugging you. There's some spray over light there. right in front of my face. We're broadcasting <laughs> to you from the great outdoors here in Morgan County, Utah. Uh, I'm Colin Larson. I'm joined here tonight with KISS Army 2nd Lieutenant James Young. Since 19, 1979, mind you. KISS Army. KISS Army. There you go. You got the tongue going. <laughs> How you doing, James? I'm good, man. How are you? Dude, I'm I'm doing great. Man, I'm kinda glad we're out here. I don't I mean we're on somebody's property, I guess it's the counties or something. It's my property. We just sitting out here in the trees and doing a little talking and just kind of enjoying the evening. We're sitting here by the van down by the river. river. Down by the river. Oh my god, we really are. We really literally. are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The river's like right over there. We've There's got, a van. Yeah, we got Tam van here. You know, uh, you know, this yeah. van kind of bothers me. I'm surprised there's not like a free candy sign on the side of it or something. Well, it's we in the back. We it's on the other side. Used to keep the candy in those little pockets right there oh, that you can see. Yeah. So yeah, we just there's probably some in there. Is there? And really? it's free if you can find it. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it would be free. <laughs> don't eat, don't eat van pocket candy. That kind of <laughs> reminds me of a famous cookie we were discussing earlier. We're not going to talk about that. Famous one. Amos. Famous. <laughs> so. I don't think so it was Famous Amos. Famous Amos makes a, makes a fine cookie. That's another story for another time. Um, yeah, also joined with us here by the banks of the Weber River in Morgan County, Utah. Uh, the man making the magic happen, so to speak. And I'm not talking about that. Get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, Mr. Brandon Long, how are you doing this evening, sir? Oh, I'm doing great, thanks. I'm, I'm producing. I thought you were going <laughs> to... Totally took me off guard. <laughs> I thought your head your head was down. I'm like, now's my chance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You guys look good on camera, by the way. I can see oh, up man. your shorts, so that's pretty awesome. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, man. Where'd you get that little yeah, robin? Little looking loo there. <laughs> I thought I felt the draft. <laughs> well, now you got me all paranoid about my about my skins. Better to have you paranoid than excited. Don't act like you're not impressed. No, I'm really not. <laughs> So James is here, Brandon's here, I'm here, also here. Uh, welcome back, Paul, Paul Burnett, good friend. Thanks. How are happy, you? Happy to be here. And you realize we're sitting here listening, to, listening to, to trucks drive by next to the river talking about fly fishing at the perfect time to be fishing, and we're not fishing. Seems a little ridiculous. <laughs> it does. Feel, it it does. seems a little, little absurd. That's all right. But you know, sometimes you just gotta take a break <laughs> from the fish and the sit around, and just kind of shoot the breeze. Sometimes and just kinda we, we gotta take some stuff yeah, serious. Yeah, so, yeah. There's actually but somebody fishing. There is like yeah, thirty yards away. <laughs> we can see him. Yeah, he's, he's fishing. He's been fishing for a couple hours, actually. Yeah. But you know, you talk about times to be serious, Paul. This isn't it. <laughs> <laughs> you know us. Hope you I left do. your serious pants at the at the house. And put them in the washing machine. You can get them on when you get home. Right now, no serious pants. So you're saying that he's pantsless? I'm saying he's got the cargo shorts on. He's okay, okay. Okay, let's let's I do, uh, actually. Yeah, that's great. Okay, cargo shorts get a lot of hate, and I don't understand it. 
So it, it, it's maybe like, it's because I wear fucking cargo shorts. It's the cargo shorts. shorts with the dad shoes. The you know the the oh, the, the, the white no the, the, <laughs> no those no, are no, no. white New Balance. The white New Balance yeah. is is the issue. Yeah, white New Balance and cargo shorts. But uh, cargo got, shorts. You got like some Salomons and you're good. Cargo shorts are great. Yeah. What I can like you, what can you carry in your cargo shorts? What can I carry? I can tell you right now. I got this. Kill a mosquito real quick. I got this bottle opener, and it's got a line cutter on it. These are functional. I'm, See, I'm it's survival digging. tools. Survival. Yeah. I'm okay. like Bear Grylls. Uh, I'm like that West Strouds on the on the Survivor Man's. Bear Grylls. You're you're like Bear Grylls. So you're saying that you drink your own pee? I'm saying I would pretend to for money. <laughs> yeah, but if there was enough of it, you would. Eh, how much money are we talking here? It's nine, sterile, and I like know, the taste of it. How about like nine ninety five? Nine ninety five million dollars. Dollars. I would just, I would no. say just drink beer. Ten bucks is ten bucks. Well, I mean, Save Budweiser's not beer. too far off from yeah. that, yeah, right? <laughs> Speaking of beer, uh, we're we're drinking a few things tonight here. Uh, so currently, at this very moment, I've got in my hand a Utog, Utog, Brewing Company, John Paul Porter. Uh, these guys are right out of Ogden, Utah. They're, uh, I just discovered they existed today. Today? Today. I, I'd never heard of it before. And I live in Ogden, and I drink beer. Like, how big of a failure am I? They That's are pretty legit. good. They, they are, there's some good beer. Their brewery is right near um, Linquist Field, actually. Overlooks the, the field. So That's right right on Granite. It's some pretty good beer. But didn't you say you ate there earlier today? They have a little yeah. restaurant, diner yeah, in there my, or something? My wife and I celebrated our anniversary today, and... Okay, wait. Wait, this, this, your is, this is your anniversary, and you're out here sitting with a van by the river talking to us <laughs> with these degenerates. This is, this is how serious. This is how serious I am about this podcast. So, gosh, pressure's, pressure's on, guys. We, there, look, there is no pressure. So you're gonna let you're serious? See, now I'm conflicted because I'm like, okay, his wife's gonna want to listen to this. Not only because he's here, but no, because she's not. what were you doing on our anniversary? <laughs> and you're gonna be like, "This is what I was doing." You went out and, and hung out with I those was, guys. I'm going to Morgan <laughs> County. <laughs> Morgan, Morgan <laughs> County. Nope. You like how I did that? Morgan you're the County. only person who went to Morgan County for their uh, anniversary. <laughs> it's actually not our anniversary today, but um, oh, good because I legit like felt honored and yeah. bad at the same time. <laughs> you kidding me? They had a perfect opportunity. What's the opportunity? Oh, we can mess with him all night and make fun of his wife and everything. Dude, I should take you out. Whatever. Like, <laughs> there's a river right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. You're kind of honored, you know, that you'd come and spend the time with us and, you know, instead of your bride. And I mean, I feel good enough even just any day. Yeah. You know, you want to come and come and hang out with us, even if it's not your anniversary. So thank you for being here. Well, I appreciate that. I'm, well, I'm happy to be here. Honestly. Happy anniversary. Thanks. So in case uh, you guys don't know who Paul is, maybe some of you do. He's been on uh, the Bug Huck. He was on the Bug Hucker show a few times in the past, I believe. He's the first time here on Leaky Waiters. You haven't been with us since we started the new show up. Uh, but Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you're, you know, a, an expert. So Type in life in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so my name is Paul Burnett. I work for Trout Unlimited. We're a nonprofit organization. I think probably a lot of the listeners of this podcast have heard of us. Um, but I direct our uh, our water and habitat program in Utah, and uh, also run our Weber River restoration program. So, 
we've done uh, in the state we've been in, involved in about 90 projects across the, the whole state um, about 30 of those have been in the Weber River and uh, so the Weber River is a really really important fishery for uh, for the the anglers here and also for native fish and and uh, so we've been doing a lot of things fish passage type projects and habitat restoration in the basin so yeah got got quite a few projects that I've been been involved with I know that I've been uh, told in the past that the complexities and the challenges that are faced on the Weber River are probably the most complex and difficult to deal with at times in the state would you agree with that I would agree in fact uh, there's a uh, one of the one of the guys who oversees all the water rights in the in the Weber um, commented that he thought that the Weber River was probably the most complex in the entire West in the entire so, West. so yeah not only fisheries but also uh, also water it's a it's a huge issue and, and we're not gonna have to deal with it la this year but uh, last year was a huge huge challenge for, for water yeah we've, we've got some good good uh, good snow this year and I'm looking over at the river right now and it's flowing high the water looks it's good amazing. it looks good it looks it's amazing. not it's not like chocolate milk right. anymore it, it looks great and I kind of wish I packed some gear with me but <clears throat> um, yeah it's looking great so glad to hear that we're not dealing with all of those issues this year's is much hopefully we can have more years like this to come uh, but so the meat and the potatoes behind tonight's episode it's something that I've wanted to discuss for quite some time, and I'm, I'm glad that Paul's finally here so we can talk about it, because I, I've been saving this for you <laughs> specifically. So we've got this spreadsheet. Okay. What's that? Oh, snap. You got a, you oh, got a spreadsheet? Yeah. Oh, where I got oh, a spreadsheet. Yeah. I'm going to talk to you about many spreadsheets. <laughs> so wait, so, wait, you actually have a plan? Is that oh, what you're dude, we have, a, we have a Google, a Google sheet. <laughs> Believe it or not, this shit show Spread, is coordinated. Yeah, spreadsheets work really well on podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we do have a spreadsheet. I'm not going to go into too much detail. But uh, we got a list of stuff we want to talk about, issues, topics. This has been like... Boom, number one on my list in my heart of hearts. But I wanted to save it because I knew that you could bring some valuable content to the table. So I appreciate you being here with us tonight. Uh, so that being said, we're going to talk about brown trout. Brown trout. Salmo truto. Salmo. Salmo truto. That's good enough. Trotta. 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 Salmo trotta. Is that Latin for something? Uh, for brown trout, yeah, yeah it's Latin brown, for brown trout. trout. No. Yeah, Actually, I, I haven't even looked that up. It is Latin. That's the that's the scientific name. Salmo trutta. Uh, but salmo probably stands for sal salmon and trutta trout. Okay, so <laughs> so right salmon off the bat, <laughs> is a brown trout consi is considered to be in the char family or the salmon mm -hmm. fa fat side? Oh. Because we've had arguments about uh, is it is it a is it a distinct or a distant relative of a char? Or is it actually in the uh, salmonoid? Okay, so it's a trout. We're getting serious. It's a trout. Char. So here's here's your defining characteristics. Char are typically dark bodies, light spots. Trout, light bodies, dark spots. So the ring on the on the spots on the brown don't affect. It. It's like it's like a white ring, blue dot, instead of being a blue ring, white dot kind of thing. I would say the whole body is, the whole body is lighter compared to the so, 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 so the brown trout have the dark spots. Dark spots. So it's actually going to be in the salmonoid family then. 
has yeah, salmon. Well, it, they're all in the they're all in the salmon family. Okay, but it's but not. they're different. They're different genuses okay. or genera, I guess. That's that's genuses, 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 genuses. Man, I, my mind was just a running. <laughs> okay, but, so no, but they're all there. There's there's three branches. So there's the the salmo, and then there's the Oncorhynchus, which is the salmon trout uh, of the Western U.S. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Savalinus, which is the the um, brook trout, uh, bull trout. Those are the chars. Okay, so a brown Sal- trout. Salvalinus. 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 Okay. So, so is uh, brown trout related to brown chicken, brown cow, or? <laughs> that only occurs in October, okay? <laughs> you come out here to the river, and all you hear is brown chicken, brown thanks. trout. <laughs> yeah, okay. thanks for breaking right. up the scientific yeah, jargon okay. there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that, that's just been a long-standing yeah. argument at the shop. Is this in a char family, or is it in the salmonoid family? And it's like, okay, so you've explained that. So, Thank yeah, you. they're all in the same family, but okay. they're, they're different branches of that. Okay. Yeah. Technically, you're both. You're all right. Yeah, that's right. That's true. That's what I'm gathering here. Okay. See, and I had also heard that the way you can kind of, and this apparently... Probably it's totally false. <clears throat> How you can distinguish is the time of year they spawn. Fall versus spring. Does that have anything to do with it? Well, no, that's not necessarily because there's, you know, there are the steelhead uh, will, will spawn later in the summer into the fall. And then also um, some of the salmon will actually, uh, like kokanee or sockeye, will spawn in the fall. So uh, so spawning time doesn't doesn't uh, really factor into the, the taxonomy. It's more of... Um, a lot of it is where they originated, you know, so the Salmo generally came from Europe. Uh, the Oncorhynchus is generally uh, Western U.S. Uh, trout, and then the Salvolinus is, is uh, generally Eastern and uh, up in the Ar- Arctic. The, the exception there is bull trout, which is, which is a Western species. But. Hold on the topic on bull trout. Yeah. Now that I'm totally confused, let's go back to talking about just brown <laughs> trout, Salmo trutta. Salmo Trutta. You want to be real fancy. You could press your friends, make them think you're smart. You'd say Salmo Trutta. I've tried before and they know better. Yeah, my yeah, they're just, they're they're like, Shut up. Yeah. Just say it in German and then you're you, good. Okay, so German. <laughs> let's talk about that <laughs> for a second yeah. here. German, we're talking about origins of fish. <clears throat> Sorry, cough. Uh, origins of fish, where are they coming from? Whenever I hear somebody say oh you caught a german brown that's a german brown it always just like makes my eye twitch a little bit and i'm like Shh. it just i don't know what it is something about that just bothers me because it's like you one i don't think you let's talk about that okay is there such a thing as a german brown versus a scottish brown versus a whatever american brown versus you know yeah i think there i mean in europe for sure there's we so don't care you about could, Europe. You could think of you could think of brown trout. So brown trout are native to Europe, right? And in Europe, they're very similar to cut, they're managed similar to cutthroat trout here. And so the different regions and different drainage basins are going to have unique unique brown trout populations. So there is something to the German brown um, uh, name, but when you get here and you catch a fish that looks a specific way. And you say, "Oh yeah, it's a German brown." You can't tell. They're mm-hmm. they're by the time they get here, that all those different sources have been mixed, and it's it's kind of like rainbow trout. You know, there's yeah. you just don't know where the re- origin of those fish are. Okay, so you heard it here, <laughs> Facebook people. Next time I see one of you on a page, say, "Ooh, that's a big German brown." And I think that's how people. If it's big, it's, it's a German big. brown. <laughs> I'm gonna call you out on it because Paul told me, 
and he's an expert in this. He went mm-hmm. to school. He knows. He knows this. I'm a learned man. He's a learned doctor of fish. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a doctor, but <laughs> he's a learned man. <laughs> he's a learned master of fish, which sounds cooler than doctor. Pretty close, yeah. If you ask me. Uh, no, you're full of shit. And just because your fish is big, that's cool, but it doesn't make it a German brew. You know, a lot of times I think we see at the shop or guys, you know, folks who have been here in Utah, the family, deep family roots here, and that it came from generations down. That's how great granddad referred to them. And and you you see, uh, you know, with us at the shop, we see folks that are older, more advanced in age. We'll refer to them as German browns, where the younger crowd are just brown trout. But I think you just see it as a generational deal, is that they learn it from my dad and my granddad down the road and that's how they refer to it in the family so that just kind of keeps rolling but you don't see many younger guys or i haven't seen younger guys saying those are germans it's always the old the older dudes i'll see people try to like argue it though yeah like, oh, no yeah. it's a german brown and here's why because the spot looks like <laughs> yeah no. and i've heard stuff about the size of the blue <clears throat> on the cheek yeah, and stuff yeah. it's like no nah, that's just whatever it's like yeah. the size of your nose or just color your hair or something right it's, it's like trying to identify a, a yellowstone cutthroat trout versus a Bonneville. I mean, can you really identify if you put a Yellowstone versus a Bonneville next to each other? Could you really identify them? Probably I'm not, not. I'm not a learned man uh, such as yourself, but I can't. To but, me, they're just cutthroat. Yeah, probably not because because really they look so similar. I mean, you could you could do some serious analysis of each fish, but really it's the basin that they came from that really identifies what they are. So it's from and like a very genetic. It is. They've got to have fishancestry.com send in fish spit in order to figure out. <laughs> You know, if they're three percent Iberian trout, exactly. or if they're eighteen percent, um, uh, you know, Eurasian, whatever yeah. funky term you want to use. Okay. Well, well, off the side note, like the Bear River cut versus the Bonneville, aren't isn't it like just a few genes off or something? They're pretty close related. I mean, as far as the uh, genetics wise on them. Yeah, I mean they're they're really similar, and you know the geneticists have been able to identify specific genetic characteristics that they can they can. Um, Kind of separate those out, but mm. to be honest, I mean they are so. They similar. look so close. They really, yeah. they really do. Yeah. You know, when I did the both times I did the cut slam, you kind of look at it and go, "These all which look the same." Which one was which? Yeah, they all look kind of look the same. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but you, from what everybody said, this drainage is this fish, and that drainage is that one. And that's important because those fish have been there for thousands of years, and yeah. and and they've no, they've adapted to those little streams that they live in that yeah. have been flowing. So for like, thousands so of like years. on the brown trout, when were they? When were browns first introduced to the U.S. ish? You know, pretty close. You know. Um, probably in the probably in the mid to late 1800s is when they were initially established here. Um, the Browns in, in Utah were established because uh, most of our cutthroat trout fisheries, which are native, um, they were fished out because they provided, you know, really important food supplies for for the pioneers, and um, uh, they needed they needed a way to re- reestablish those fisheries, and um, you know, there was kind of a we already knew. Uh, how to raise brown trout in the in the hatchery, and so they were able to. They were, you know, a reliable a reliable stock of fish that they could bring into the systems to replenish yeah. the the fisheries. They didn't understand at the time what, you know, sort of impacts they would have on on native fish populations. So do they? So are browns still stocked in Utah? Do they still have hatcheries for brown trout stocking? Yeah, they are still stocked in the <coughs> state. Not not as much as as even 15 years ago. Um, most of the most of the stocking uh, has been has been reduced just because of the fact that you know biologists are recognizing the fact that brown trout do have a negative uh, impact on a lot of the native fish populations and so um, you know I have to give a lot of credit to the Division of Wildlife they've been doing a lot of research on trying to find ways to 
provide that sport fishing sport fishing opportunity uh, in a way that doesn't um, you know have a, a huge negative impact on on some of the native fish. So, with brown trout, I know that technically they are considered an invasive species, at least on some lists. Is that that's correct? Right? Oh yeah, they're they're. Uh, so y- you asked me uh, for this for this episode. You know, are brown trout invasive? I think it was the question. I think the the bigger question is how invasive are they? And and they're pretty invasive, um, and, and it really depends on on the drainage basin. There's a lot of different characteristics that kind of set places up to be um, really at risk of invasion from brown trout. Where there's some places that there's they're not as much of an issue. Okay, so what are some of the characteristics of brown trout specifically that makes them invasive? What kind of impact do they have on native fish populations, and what is the threat? So one of the things that brown trout are um, really, really good at is they're they're what we call generalists, right? So they they are pretty adaptable to living in a lot of different uh, scenarios. They can they can deal with uh, they can deal with a little bit warmer temperatures uh, than than our, some of our native trout, uh, which haven't had to deal with with really warm temperatures. Uh, they're also one of the really interesting things about brown trout is the fact that they are um, they're they're main stem spawners and they are fall spawners. So, so they'll spawn in the main stem of rivers, and they spawn in the fall. And um, a lot of our rivers have been uh, pretty m- the the hydrograph how how the water changes over t- over the seasons has been changed pretty dramatically by dams. And if you look at the Ogden River, <coughs> for example, the most um, the most suitable flow for brown trout, uh, especially for, sp- for spawning, is in the fall. There's a minimum flow. Uh, flow out of the bottom of the dam is, is nice and warm, uh, relatively speaking, uh, in the winter. And so, and it's clean because, it tra- because the reservoirs trap all the sediment. And, um, and so, uh, because, they're <coughs> because they spawn in the fall, uh, they are really successful in pulling off really good year classes. Every time they spawn, 90, 90 to f- 95% of the eggs that they put in the gravel make it to, to being, you know, little fish. That 90 fry. to 95%. Yeah, yeah. How does some that compare to other, well, one, other brown trout in other uh, rivers and also just other trout in general? Because I know it's typically a lot lower than that, right? So, yeah, and it really depends on the, that hydrograph. So, so what's really interesting about um, tailwater fisheries like, like the Ogden River, like the Provo below um, Jordanelle, um, they really act similar in a similar way to spring-fed systems. Uh, and so, if you go if you go to Europe, in their native native basins, um, the 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 populations that are doing really well are in these spring-fed systems. These naturally stable hydrographs with with relatively warm water. And you know, in the winter, relatively warm is you know just above freezing, but that that's still enough for those eggs to really survive well. Where they're struggling is um, rivers where uh, there's a little bit more flashy hydrograph, there's a little bit more snow melt um, at the right time uh, that wipes out your classes. And so, uh, in, in fact, that's a concern in Europe for, for a lot of the fisheries managers there is uh, uh, there's some of those flashy hydrographies, those, those brown trout populations are actually really struggling. So, um, so in, in, in Utah, uh, where we have these really uh, stable flows in the winter, our brown trout populations just skyrocket. 
Are they impacted at all by our spring runoff season? I, am I off? Brandon? Sorry, I, I just couldn't hear anything. wondered if I kicked something. Uh, anyways, back to what I was saying. Um, are brown trout really all that impacted by spring runoff season and the high water? Or is it like the eggs are already hatched, already is the done deal at that point? So they are. And, and that's what's really interesting. The Logan River is a really good example of that. Uh, James, you were talking about that earlier. Um, so in the Logan River, uh, there's, this, there's this zone around Twin Bridges, if you're familiar with Logan Canyon, uh, where it, the, the, population, the fish population kind of uh, converts from brown, brown trout dominated to cutthroat dominated. And that's really where that, uh, that's, uh, that's at the point where the runoff uh, coincides with when those uh, eggs or the fish are coming out of the out of the reds and so that's that vulnerable time period for for uh, the brown trout is is right when they're emerging from reds and if there's a high water event at that that coincides with that then then you start seeing um, impacts of the population it reduces the, the the number of juvenile fish that are able to make it into the to the fishable size so um, so yes runoff does affect that and that's uh, that's um, that's where we see these rivers with natural hydrography still are still pretty resistant to uh, to brown trout invasion. So like the Ogden River, where it's a tailwater out of Pine View Dam, that water doesn't get bumped up until later in the spring generally. Right. So if they were to pick that up earlier in the spring, probably when it's still frozen, would that then reduce the number of brown trout that are successfully hatched and grow to, you know, fry or whatever each year that's exactly something that we've been looking at and in fact 2017 was a perfect example of that there was a i don't know if you remember that but uh in mid-january the water managers started to kind of panic a little bit because there was a ton of snow up in the mountains and pine view was full and um so they started they started releasing about i think it was about 1200 cfs of water out of the out of pine view dam um and that was that you know that was perfect timing for uh, you know, something that we've been talking about for a long time is like if we can time a flood to happen right at the right time, um, you know, the, the brown trout, uh, the juvenile brown trout coming out of the eggs out of the reds um, could be basically wiped out. And, you know, <laughs> that does that sounds kind of nasty, but yeah. it's actually that's actually not a bad thing, um, you know, for brown trout, because uh, in the Ogden River, uh, there are so many of those juvenile fish. That they eat everything and so you get you get a lot of those those juvenile fish you get fish that make it through the next year which grow okay and then after that because there are so many of them you get a few fish that are maybe larger than 12 inches maybe a couple that are 14 or so those fish are about uh four to five years old and that's kind of the max growth that we see except for a couple places in in the ogden river and i think some of those bigger fish that we see in the ogden are probably actually coming out of the weaver so like, so, like, when you hit that big flow, when they come out of the eggs, does it kill them, or does it just flush them downstream, down out of the canyon, down into the, the flats? Uh, you know, it, they, it probably kills a, a, a decent number of them. I mean, they just don't have the... So when, when fish are coming right out... When, when juvenile fish are coming right out of the reds, um, which, are, which are basically just pits that the fish dig in the riverbed, um, they don't have a good ability to swim. And so... Um, so if water velocity is faster than they can swim, they're just going to be swept downstream. Swept down. Typically, you know, you know what we saw this year with all the, 
with all the perch and the crappie in the Ogden River. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the same scenario. They'll they'll just kind of get swept down. They don't they don't they do very well, and they'll down. they'll kind of get smashed and, and and. But you know, like in seventeen, when we were talking about that when we first got out here today, was fished it the the summer before. We were standing on sandbars, you know, a bunch of silt and everything, and then on Memorial Day they dumped the flows way down, went out and fished. And where I'd been in silt before, it was all just real pretty cobble rock. Everything was just cleaned out and scoured and stuff. And then we noticed, started rolling rocks just to see bugs. And there was so much more, uh, you know, so more more bugs under the rocks and stuff. So it seemed like it really made the river healthy because there's, you know, better bug life, less fish, but they were growing bigger. And we're seeing bigger fish this year. Are you really? Yeah. That's interesting. We've seen some bigger fish come out of that now. So we're two years on from that that high water event. That's something that, you know, we, we talked about a lot several years ago. We haven't really been able to look at that population level in the Ogden River. But, yeah. you know, we saw it was interesting back in the 80s, there was a chemical spill in the Ogden River, and it killed it killed a whole year class of brown trout. And uh, then, like, five years later, the Division of Wildlife went in and sampled, and there were just loads of huge brown trout yeah, in, in the river. So it's pretty interesting to, to mm. think about. You know, I, I think, you know, one of the things we talk about is, you know, do we need to harvest more brown trout? And I, and I think that in some cases, yes, but we have to be careful about that because if you're in a situation like the Ogden River where you just have so many juvenile fish and you're harvesting the big fish, you're not really having the impact on that on the, the yeah. stage of fish that you want to. You want to you impact those small fish and, and reduce the numbers of those small yeah. fish. So what's kind of a good guideline then? I, I've been told that we can benefit from keeping the, the cookie cutters sort of. Uh, the stuff you see the most of, would you would you agree with that? In some places, I would agree with that. I think that you know, I think that's a good. I th- it's a good guideline for anglers, but I think it it is a little more complicated than, than that. And I think that you know, it's really important to understand um, where the sensitive life stage is, um, and where the you know the the fact that you know, even if you take a big fish out, are you really going to make room for more big fish? Um, the the question is is understanding those the population dynamics and understanding where um, where that where that bottleneck for that population is and and for a lot of our tailwaters it's actually those fish that are one to two years old um, when they're starting to get bigger they're just not able to find that larger food supply yeah. because there's just so many of those fish so, so we, we should keep the little dink ones you should keep the dink ones and you should oh man. But I think there's whether four fish or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, basically, <laughs> so basically what's coming down to is the number of fish are exceeding the carrying capacity of that river. To for, yeah. a, for a healthy for a healthy ecosystem. Well for there's only so much food in there. It's healthy for them, but for our fishery, it's yeah. a little bit different. We want the bigger fish, right? Yeah, and so if we want if we want to meet those objectives, we kinda need to look at not only the adult fish, but we want to look at what's happening at that earlier Early life stage. stage where people aren't fishing. And this kind of falls back, so it ties into like the Flaming Gorge or trying with the Laker pups, the smaller mm-hmm. Lakers. Hey, we have so many, we thin this out, we can keep our, our, our bigger fish and get better. And we still, you know, it, it's the same thing. They're, they're eating all the food source, all the little guys. There's so many of them. There's not enough for the for the bigger fish. To yeah, eat. that's it's that's really it. Carrying yeah. capacity. Yep. That's really it. Yeah, it's just it's really difficult when you get those fish that you can't catch on, on on fishing gear though, and and so that's where that's where we really need to start looking at other other, you know, potential options for, for changing, the structure of those populations. Okay, so how, 
how big the how big will a fish grow in a year? I mean, you're sitting there doing this to little guys. Is this a year, <laughs> is this a one year old fish? You know, I mean, I mean. So so that's what she said. <laughs> so brown that's brown a ten trout. incher. <laughs> <laughs> so brown trout. So again, they're they're coming out of reds in the spring, and so by the end of the summer. They the the first year fish that 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 first year fish are usually about four inches. Okay. You go the second year, and you're mm. looking at about eight to ten inch fish. So those are one and a half year old fish. Okay. So typically with brown trout, what's what's really interesting is they um, they will convert over from eating invertebrates, some bugs, uh, to fish when they get to be about um, about twelve inches. And um, so so if there's a good diverse prey supply of fish of, of, of uh, you know um, minnows and that sort of thing in the river then then they can they can convert over to that and, and grow really quickly after that um, they can also eat the bigger macroinvertebrates so what ends up happening though is if when you have when you have a ton of those when, you know when you have like 4,000 of those eight inch seven to eight inch fish per mile they're eating all of the bugs that they can see and they're so so all that larger food supply is just not available for the bigger fish. What we also see is, especially in tailwaters like below Pineview, uh, below uh, Rockport Reservoir, all of those native minnows, the you know the dace and the the shiners and, and stuff like that, they're gone. They've been all eaten by the by the huge numbers of brown trout. So there isn't a fish resource for them to eat, and they mm. apparently don't eat each other. So uh, so that's why we end up with that that kind of a natural stunted population, yeah. but so that so that so you look into that balance of okay we t if we harvest more of those big fish, what does that really do? Does that really release resources? Eh, kind of, but there's not a there's not you know really any big fish to to take that role. It's more in that medium to small size fish that really need to be. Removed so, from the so, system. So how do you remove them? I mean, if, if you go through, say, the Ogden, you go, hey, look, mm -hmm. we're going to come in here and we're, we're going to uh, remove a number of the one to one and a half year old age class. They're too. They're really too. They're, they're hard to catch for anglers. No one's going to keep a whole bunch of four inch fish. They only keep four, right? You know, I mean, so 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 how do you how do you go through and remove them? Do you do you do shock studies and net them and, and remove them that way? Do you do a uh, I mean, I hate to say it, a rotenone treatment? Yeah. That do you do? Um, you know gill nets so shock studies would be really really difficult and really i mean there'd be a lot of labor involved with that um so really the the thing is 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 trying to work with water users and trying to find a way to to get that to to target that really sensitive life stage which is where the when those fish are coming right out of the red so we need to we need we to need replicate that flood. the yeah. 2017 yeah. flood we need to do that that was that was awesome well, no, we all know how how water is especially <laughs> in this state and that's a, that's a hot issue, and getting people to agree to dump water out at a time of year when they don't need it. Uh, good luck, Paul. <laughs> or if there was actually <laughs> that's, water. That's yeah, we're working down. on that. Let's get, we're, yeah. we're there. Yeah, but you know, like, <laughs> but you know, like this year in Pineview, there was nothing to dump. It was way low. I mean, it was like 30-something yeah, percent yeah, full. Really, yeah. they, couldn't, they couldn't flush now it Now it's overflowing. But, that's overflowing. You know, that's but yeah, we're that's we're just, waiting that game. So, yeah, so. so brown trout, they, they're really adaptive to a multitude of conditions that maybe other trout can't tolerate uh so that's one thing that's challenging is they grow really well in a diverse set of conditions and then they just out compete for food um are there any other 
specific things that brown trout bring to the table that impact native species, not just cutthroat trout, but other fish as well. Yeah, I mean, so like like I like I mentioned, you know, brown trout, they are they they will convert over to a fish diet at a smaller size than say cutthroat trout. And so if you look in, you know, for example, we're sitting here on the Weber, so we might as well talk about the Weber River. Okay. But if you if you're thinking about the Weber River and <clears throat> the fact that these other native fish that live in the Weber have adapted to larger cutthroat trout eating them and being able to you know hide from them and that sort of thing they're they haven't they haven't had a chance to adapt to these smaller fish that are predatory on fish and so uh, so there and there's more of them so that uh, that does pose a that does pose a uh, kind of a concerning threat on some of the native fish but you know where we do see but I think it is tied to it is tied to, to the numbers of those brown trout too so like if you go above rock, uh, below rockport reservoir you know there's the the brown trout population in there is is off the charts and there really aren't any native fish you go below echo which has that winter flow issue that we've talked about mm. which is actually pretty de- detrimental to brown trout which somewhat benefits the native fish because we do see those year class um, failures we we do see reds drying in in that reach of the weber and so so we don't have all those fish. We, you know, you go down here, we're, you know, we're down in the Hennefer Taggart Reach, and there's a lot of pretty big brown trout. Mm-hmm. That's because of that, I think. That's that's because of the fact that there isn't that stable flow over the winter, and there is probably not as high of success from egg to fry juvenile fish uh, coming into the to the river. So yeah, this thing like freezes up over yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. So so yeah. that's actually I, I mean I hate to say that, but that's yeah. actually to the benefit of native fish because this is actually a stronghold for for the bluehead sucker that we've talked about, which is a really important sucker species in the Weber. Okay, okay, can we back up just a sec? You said earlier that when the browns convert over to meat eaters, yep, that they won't eat themselves. I mean, will they? Will, will a year and a half old brown eat the just hatching? Eggs. I mean, do, do they discriminate? I mean, there's a little bit of that, but you know, diet analyses don't really show a lot of a lot of cannibalism in, in trout species. I mean, there's a little bit, but it's not like this huge issue. I think that's a common. I mean, I've always thought that, especially browns, they were very cannibalistic. Yeah, I thought they'd eat nature. So that's that's eat really it. interesting to hear. Yeah, yeah, it is. But they'll eat like the sculpins, the dace, the suckers, the sucker minnows, cutthroat minnows. Yeah, stuff like that. Plus yeah, all will. your plus all your bigger bugs and things. Yep. Okay. So one final question here uh, for you and kind of the whole point of this is native fish native fish species uh, why is it important that we look after these fish and uh, you know we're concerned about their future and not just like well brown trout are cool like why don't we just deal with that and cu- survival of the fittest screw the cutthroat like why is it important that we care about them well I mean, I mean I, I, you know, we've been kind of trashing brown trout today but I, I do want to say that <laughs> they're invasive now but brown Although trout, they're cool, they're fun. Brown trout are pretty cool, though. Yeah. And so, so, so before I get into the why, you know, why we care about native fish, I do want to say that there are places where brown trout are appropriate, and you know, a lot, uh, in a, especially in a lot of our really manipulated river systems, where you know conditions just aren't going to support the native fish, and that they provide a really important fishery, a really important mm-hmm. commercial value as well, right? So. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think anybody's advocating for 
you know, getting rid of brown trout everywhere. Um, nobody's been advocating for it in the Weber. Um, what we've been trying to do in the Weber is we've been trying to manage for the native fish and, and allowing them to coexist with the browns. Um, but, you know, we do, but we, you know, some of us, a lot of us hopefully do care about the native fish because those are, those are fish that have been here for, you know, thousands of years. If you think about the, the Weber, the Colorado River, um, you know, those are, those are rivers that have been running for millions of years and these fish have <laughs> adapted. I don't know where James went. <laughs> I think he's taking a station, station break. break. <laughs> 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 I think he did this last this time. This is like right at the serious time, right? It's like, oh my God. I think he <laughs> he got nervous. What can we say? Yeah. So, um, but no, I, but you know, these fish have been these fish have been swimming in these waters for you know thousands of years, and and uh, they they really represent this really unique. Uh, every basin is unique. They have a unique fish assemblage, and and they really represent this kind of uh, a history of how fish have moved around the West. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, we get into, especially up in Northern Utah into, uh, some of these rivers like the Weber and the Provo and the Bear and the, the cutthroat trout that were here, they were, they were a really important food source for the pioneers and, uh, being able to preserve that, um, that genetic line, those fish is, um, it's, it's really important. I think that, you know, it's, it's. You know, when you start looking at the those old photos of the the railroad coming through, and think about the the fact that that was all cutthroat trout in the, the Weber River that was next to the railroad, uh, and and just think about the fact that we have the opportunity to still fish for those fish. You know, they're thirty generations or how many generations cool. after, yeah. and they're still here. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty amazing. And and so. It does prop up those fish as kind of priorities, um, but you know brown trout. People love catching brown trout, and and so we don't want to be, you know, telling telling everybody we want to remove brown trout, but we want to find that balance. So, I agree. Brown trout are, I mean, they're they're probably my favorite trout to mm -hmm. catch, just because uh, I remember when I was a kid, you know, and I was fishing a lot of the little creeks and little ponds I had available to me. Uh, just right around, you know, within a bike ride of my house. It was all rainbows. It was all planter, you know, stock rainbows. And to catch a brown trout in a place, you know, it was a bit more wily. It was, yeah. it was neat, man. It was, it was like, oh, I got a brown trout. Like these things fight harder than those, you know, Slimer rainbows in Farmington Pond. These things are neat. And yeah, they are. They definitely are cool. So, and I, I agree. I would be super sad if they were just gone. Like if somebody just said. Right. You know, eradicate no. the brown trout completely. No. You know, the, but we'll I also want to catch a cutthroat here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, one thing about in the fall is always you're chasing the butterbellies. Oh, you know, and, and, you know, when, when they got that, that, that golden butterbelly and the, and the blue cheeks, you know, I take pictures of the cheeks, you know, just that blue dot. It, it's just incredible. You know, they're actually a really cool fish. Yeah. They're, they're beautiful fish, you know, and. You know, fall time is butter barrel chasing time. So. Yeah, for sure. And and you have to really give respect to the fact that those fish, those brown trout, they are an adaptable animal. And they, uh, you know, they, the fact that they're able to adapt to these systems and, and do well is, you know, that's really respectable. Especially the water flows, like in October <laughs> when, you know, when yeah. they shut the Weebert off. I mean, they turn the tap off, 
Yeah. One day they're all fight, dumb and happy going through a big river. The next day it's like there's nothing in here. There's barely a little water left. Give them a couple of days and, you know, they they readjust and they're back at it again. Yeah. You know, Literally it, overnight. It, literally overnight. I mean, they it's just how, how it's like, okay, it's time. And they just get used to and how they adapt. That, that that's, really, that's really cool that they can do that. It really is. Yeah. So we're not advocating uh, help the Weaver Bonka Brown. We're just saying let, <laughs> let, let's be, uh, you know, let, Let's be mindful of what's going on and try to make everything, you know, trying to coexist and, you know, try to try to find that healthy balance. Is that what we're, that's our, that's our deal. Let's put it this way. The brown trout are doing pretty well in the Weber. It's probably not going to hurt to take a few brown trout. No. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think understanding the, 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 what, what we're doing for, for native fish is, is really important in the Weber. And I think that, um, you know, the, the brown trout are, are definitely going to be, I'm sure a long, long-term part of that fishery. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, don't don't worry about taking a few home. Yeah. Boy, catch and release. That's going to be a whole nother episode, and that's going to be very heated. I won't you know, be as here. Far as, no. <laughs> but as far as you know, do we bonk or not bonk? Does, yeah. Right. So that 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 we'll, we'll save that for another time. Oh, yeah. And, yeah and, that and, we could we could go on for forever. That's a, that's a good debate we could have. It, there. it really is. Yeah. And uh, that's great. I'm glad that we can have. That'll that. be our beeper. We can bring some. Uh, some good scientific insight and, and uh, thoughtful conversation to the yeah, table. we can so. do on that. But no, and Paul, man, you you're always you're always welcome here. It's been fun. To, you know, you bring a, a lot of good information, open up people's eyes, and I'm sure everybody will really appreciate you know what uh, what you brought tonight. You know, just kind of a lot of people probably didn't realize everything, and I know there's got to be a lot more than we discussed as far as you know Browns and their effects and. Everything like that. So yeah, that's been really, really informative. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, so you thanks, bet. Thanks for the privilege. Always yeah. a pleasure, sir. Wait, wait, wait. He said it was a privilege to be on this show. Oh, what did I say? Yeah. Oh, never mind. No, Nobody he said. <laughs> yeah, he, he said thanks for the privilege. It's like, um, no, sure. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sucker. Sucker. <laughs> we tricked him. Boy, we sure talked this up, didn't we? <laughs> oh, I'm co- coming back for more. So. That's okay. Well, we, we hope you do. We hope you do. We hope we can keep you. You know, you're fun to be around. And plus, show. you make a really good. You make a tasty beverage. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Man, did we even? Did we even talk about that? We talked the about we, thing. No, we didn't. We talked about the Utah. We kind of got distracted here. But Paul brought. He's a he's a brewer. Yeah. By uh, hobby. And a damn fine one at that. He's uh, he brewed some stuff at home. He made a grapefruit. What'd you bring tonight? Yeah, a grapefruit, grapefruit pilsner, pilsner. Yep. Which was, I've gotten this mug, a little hat. <laughs> gone now. <laughs> My pale wheat ale. Wait, I think I mixed the grapefruit and the pale wheat. I think you did. Yeah. It's a very tasty beverage. I'll have to try that next. Yeah, time. this is very good. Good stuff, sir. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that. Thank you again. And uh, on behalf of the Waiters team, Cole, James, Brandon. Uh, we wish you all a good evening, and keep your waiters leaky, 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 leaky. Good night, everybody. Adios. <laughs>